Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside of the desert, came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire. And the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I have come down to deliver them out of the land, or out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will see thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Just a couple more verses here. And Moses said unto God, this is where I want us to pay attention these next four verses. Moses said unto God, who am I? that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee, when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your presence that we feel in this house. You're so faithful to meet us when we gather together. Lord, because we know that your word is true, that when we gather together in your name, that you're here in the midst of us. Lord, and I pray that you would open our ears, open our understanding. God, open our hearts for just a little while tonight to hear your word, to receive your word. Lord, let it take root in our lives. Let it change us and challenge us and direct us tonight. In the name of Jesus, don't let us be the same when we leave this place, but be made better. In Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time as you're seated. And I'm going to talk tonight, just for a few minutes, about Moses' two questions. Moses' two questions. So, I think as, as many of us 
gather, many of us know about this passage. This is when uh, Moses is kind of self-exiled into the wilderness. Um, he, he left Egypt after being a prince in Egypt. He left because of the whole ordeal where he killed the Egyptian um, that was uh, beating his uh, Israelite brother and it was a whole mess, and now he's in the wilderness, and uh, now he's, he's married, and he's tending the sheep of his father-in-law, uh, Jethro, who's the priest of Midian. But what's important here is what happens when he encounters this burning bush. And I want to make a side note here. You're going to get a, a mini-sermon inside this lesson tonight. That... <clears throat> And I, I've already said this, but I, I want to I say it tonight. That desert fires, like Moses encountered with this burning bush, were not uncommon. It was so dry and the heat was so bad, if the wind hit right, stuff would just ca- could catch on fire. A, a brittle, dry bush like this might not have even phased Moses at first glance. But he noticed there was something different about it when he realized, you know, I, I don't know how it was, how many times he glanced, but he, uh, he apparently turned away for a moment, but he realized that bush is not burning up. And the angel, of the, he realized the angel of the Lord was in it, but it wasn't the angel that spoke to him. It wasn't until God spoke that something different happened. And I, I said this uh, it was, it was yesterday evening, but, you know, f- fiery services are not all that uncommon. Fiery church is not all that uncommon. And, and there are a lot of denominations, different denominations and different groups and, and, and churches and things that it, it is trendy now to mimic Pentecostal fire. And I believe even feel... Uh, the, I believe people feel the Holy Ghost. I believe people that are sincere even feel the Holy Ghost moving. And they feel the heat from that fire. But the point is that fiery services are not that uncommon. It's, it's not until God speaks in the midst of that fire that things truly change. And I want to say that I'm thankful to be a part of a church where it's not just fiery services, but God is speaking. Because that's where the difference is made. That's a little sermonette in, about the burning bush there. So, But Moses, he, he talks to God. I don't even know that he knew just right at first who he was talking to. He just answered and said, here I am. But he has this conversation with God. For the first time, and God tells him, you're going to be the deliverer for the children of Israel. Immediately, his first encounter with God, and and God gives him this call. God tells him, this is what I'm going to have you do. This is how I'm going to use you. This is how I'm going to work through you. And Moses reacted to the call of God the same way that we do, with questions. Now, don't beat yourself up too bad because it's human to have questions. It's, 
I've said this before, but we are control freaks. We like to be in control. We might say I'm easygoing, I just go with the flow, but we like to have control in our lives. And, and uh, even if it's only by way of I, I, I've got to question everything because I've got to know the details. But Moses wasn't even questioning the details. He, he just, his, his question was, was really just out of self-doubt. Who am I? But as children of God, there must be trust in God along with our walk with God. We, you know, having a, having a walk with God, you know, coming to church and, 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 and looking the part and going through the motions, doing all the things, and, and maybe doing the right things, but you're going to have a hard time having a successful, effective walk with God if we don't learn to trust God when He speaks. God is not a magic eight ball. God is not a crystal ball. God is not that one of those uh, things with the turban on that you put a quarter in and it gives you a, a fortune out of, I don't know, what are those things called? I forgot. For, yeah, the fortune teller machines, whatever. Uh, you know, God is not, uh, you know, tarot cards and, and things like that. It, it's not, God is not something that when you receive a word, you have to wonder and guess about is it true? Did he know what he was talking about? When God speaks, He knows exactly what He's talking about. When He speaks to you, He knows exactly who He's talking to. We've got to learn in our walk with God to trust God. And that doesn't just mean when I'm asleep and, or I'm praying and I'm in, I'm in the prayer room and I hear the audible voice of God or something like that. I'm talking about the Word of God too. This written Word of God. We've got to learn to trust the Lord. If God's given you a promise in your life, you need to learn to trust the Lord. And not only trust, but total reliance on the Lord. You will not read about any heroes of faith that we talk about that accomplished what they did by their own might or skill or power. You don't find it. It's always God calling somebody. It's always God giving someone a gift. It's always God working through someone. You don't read about them accomplishing these things by their own power. And we quote often from the book of Zechariah, the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, when he said, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And that is the mindset that we need to have in our walk with God. I'm just trying to give us something to help us right now for a minute. That's the mindset we need to have in our walk with God that if I'm going to do anything for God, if, if I'm just going to live for God, I can't do it by my own power. I cannot live right by my own might. I can't live holy by my own strength because I'm flawed and I'm human. Thank God I'm not only human. But I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got the Spirit of God. I've, I've got the Word of God. I've got things I can trust in, but I've got to trust in the Lord and realize that anything I do, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by skills that I have. It's not by people skills. It's not by talent. Nothing that I have to offer is good enough, but it's by the power of the Lord. 
And so, we look at Moses' two questions to God. He, he said, you're, you're going you're gonna to be the deliverer. You're going to bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, how many believes that the things that we read, the accounts that we read in the Word of God are true? These things happened. This is history. Right? I want you, even though he took his shoes off, I want you to put yourself in Moses' shoes for a minute. Sandals. Leaves with strings, probably. I don't know. I want you to put yourself in the place of Moses for a minute. Moses has already led a, a pretty eventful life already. He was the, you know, I, I doubt that he remembered being put in that basket and, and going down the river and all that stuff. But, you know, he came up in, in Pharaoh's house, was a prince of Egypt. Now he's in exile. Found him a wife in the wilderness. Now he's tending sheep. It's just been kind of a roller coaster for Moses already. But then he's walking the sheep through the wilderness, and God speaks to him out of a burning bush that's not being consumed. It's being lit up by the angel of the Lord. And not only that, but God says, you're going to go back to Egypt. And you're going to be the deliverer of my people. Millions of Israelites. You're going to bring them out of captivity. Out from under the hand of the Egyptians. Who probably, I don't know, I could be wrong, but probably was the biggest power in that time. You're going to go take Pharaoh's slaves from him. Deliver millions of Israelites out of the hand of the Egyptians. I want you to imagine that being you. You would probably ask the same question, Me? Who am I? And that is Moses' first question. Who am I? God, who am I? What, what real? I mean, really, what do I have? At one time, I had influence in Egypt, but now I'm I'm in exile from Egypt. I, you know, I just tend sheep now. And you'll see how how later on he starts talk, going back and forth with God because he's got this stutter. He's talking about I, he's like I can't talk good. He's he's trying he's you know he that's Moses is thinking who am I? That is his first question to God. God doesn't answer. God doesn't tell him. He says, "Certainly I will be with you." But he doesn't answer who am, who is who is Moses. But there's a second question. That Moses asks, who are you? And that's when the Lord says, I am that I am. And you're going to tell the children of Israel that I am 
hath sent me unto you. God didn't even answer the first question. He just said, certainly I will be with thee. It's like he didn't even ask, who am I? Moses is asking, what are my qualifications? Why are you asking me? And God was like, certainly I will be with you. God did answer the second question. Because this is what I want to tell you tonight. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who I am. But it has everything to do with who He is. When God calls you, He knows who you are. But it doesn't matter. He knows what you've done, and it doesn't matter. He knows your history, and it doesn't matter. He knows your flaws, and it doesn't matter. He knows that you're just flesh, but it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter who you are when God calls you, but it has everything to do with who He is. And He is the I Am. He is the I Am. He who was and is and is to come, who holds all power in heaven and earth, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. It has everything to do with who He is. And so, God wasn't just trying to be rude to Moses when He didn't answer the first question. Even even His answer, His response to that only had to do with, with God. He said, I will be with thee. It doesn't have to do with your ability, Moses. I've heard this said before. It doesn't have to do with our ability, but it has a lot to do with our availability. I feel an urgency. I feel an urgency in the Spirit. I prayed for a word for tonight. I feel an urgency in the Spirit for this church to come to understand the call of God. That is one reason that God has been calling us to know Him like never before. Why God has been speaking and and moving in such an intimate, uh, close way with this church. Because we need to know Him and understand who He is so that we can understand the call of God on my life and on your life and on this church. We need to understand this, church, because it is time to obey the call of God. I'm telling you that I feel an urgency in my spirit. The time for waiting is past. The only thing that we've got left to wait on is the sound of the trumpet. We've got nothing left and no reason to wait any longer to answer the call of God to do something about what God has given us. And you know I'm passionate about this. And I feel like I preach and teach more about that we have to do something with what God has given us. But I'm telling you, we've got nothing left to wait on. We've got nothing left to wait on. You're not jumping the gun. Do something for God. You're not jumping the gun when you answer the call of God and say, Here I am, Lord. Because it's got nothing to do with my talent or ability or where I'm at in life right now. But if you called me, then I trust in who you are. We think that talking... Now listen, I'm not trying to beat us up, but just listen to me. 
We think talking about the future gets us off the hook to do something now. Talking about the future is exciting. And it's exciting when things that you talk about finally come to pass. You finally achieve goals and things like that. But talking about the future, it's it's exciting. But we talk about the future a lot of times. We talk about God's gonna, God's gonna. I'm expecting, I'm speaking it in advance. Because those things sound so good to say. And, it, and it's, it's a way, now listen, I understand that we're sincere most of the time when we're talking about, I expect God to do this, because I have confidence that He will. But sometimes, saying God's going to do it is a way for us to be able to feel good and jump around and holler and speak in tongues without the responsibility of making something happen now. To say, God's going to do it. I'm expecting. Well, that's great. I'm expecting too. I'm always expecting God to do something. But I'm not always just in a constant state of just expecting. Am I making sense? At some point, I've got to, yeah, I put my expectation in Him, but I've got to participate with the call of God and do something with what has been placed in my hands right now. I've got to reach out to somebody right now. I've got to tell somebody about Jesus right now. I've got to answer the call right now. And we can use the future to get us off the hook for doing something now. We are good at justifying slothfulness. We are good at justifying laziness. We are good, great even, procrastinators. Again, I think you're the greatest people in the world. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm preaching to myself, church, and, 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 and you, you understand. You know me enough to know where I'm coming from. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. But we are great procrastinators. We are great, I'll do it tomorrow people it's easy tomorrow because tomorrow is tomorrow is always there we say we're not promised tomorrow but in our minds tomorrow is always there if i don't want to do it today i can always move it from today to tomorrow you've heard me say this that today is the tomorrow you talked about yesterday i don't want to be stuck in that cycle church i feel an urgency It's easier to view the call of God and the promises of God as something on its way instead of something that's here now. It's easier to say, God, send us what we need to have revival than to realize that He's given us everything we need to have revival. It's easier to say, God, send us souls than to be a soul winner. It's easier... To say, God, we need prayer warriors than to be a prayer warrior. It's easier to say, God, give us this city than to go take what He's already promised. I know I'm teaching tonight. This this is good teaching. I know it is. The Word says, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. 
There is constantly, guess what? I'm in right now. Guess what? I'm in now again. Oh, another second's passed. I'm in now again. There is constantly now. There is constantly a new now. You are never not in now. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. It doesn't matter when you read those words. They are applicable to now. There's that verse that says, now faith. I've heard Brother Huntley talk before. He, he kind of uh, put a spin on it and said, we need some now faith. We need some now faith. <laughs> Listen, there are going to be a lot of people lost who intended to do something. There's going to be a lot of sorrowful people who intended to do something. Who intended to answer the call of God. Who intended to contribute to the work of God. Who intended to obey. And I'm not trying to be hard, church, but God doesn't bless intentions. Yeah, I want my intentions to be good, but they can't stay intentions. God doesn't bless intentions. He blesses faith. And faith without works is dead, the Bible says. That's the Bible. Faith without works is dead. People talk about, no, no works for me. Faith without works is dead. All I need is faith and works because your faith is dead. Listen, Noah was building an ark for something no one had ever seen before. But God spoke to him and said, I need you to build an ark now. It's going to be over a hundred years before it's done. I need you to get started right now. Moses was building an ark for rain and flooding that he had never seen. That no one had ever seen. But he built the ark. And church, we have got to start preparing for things that we've never seen. Nevertheless, they've been promised. But now is time to build. Now is time to prepare. I'm talking about preparing for things we've never seen. You know what helped Noah? He had the instructions. He had no idea how to build a huge boat. But God gave him instructions. God gave him measurements. We have instructions. Church, we know how to do this. It's time to answer the call of God. I want to go back to Moses' two questions. Give me just a couple more minutes here. I'm not going to keep us tonight. But those two questions, we need to understand the significance of the way that God answered. Because God knew. God knew who Moses was. He knew what he'd done. 
He knew who he was. He knew the, the thoughts he was having. He knew his flaws. And I want to tell you that a lot of you, I know this in the natural just because some of you talk to me. I know this just in prayer. I, I, I know this from seeking God. I feel it. That you know there's this burning inside of you to do more for God. And we say it all the time. I want to do more for God. Man, that's one of the things we say the most. We talk about, I want to do something for God. I want to be used by God. I want to, I want to be workers together with it. That's what I've been trying to say rather than be used by God. Sister Bibby brought that to our attention. Rather than say, I want to be used by God, I want to work with God. But we say it all the time. But I'm talking to somebody tonight who honestly, genuinely feels that something inside, even if you've repressed it for some reason, you feel, I need to be doing more in the kingdom of God. I, I need to be doing more for God. Can I get an amen? amen? I know that you feel it. And we should. When we receive the Holy Ghost, we, we, we're baptized in the name of Jesus. We're a new creature. And so we have a new desire that we can't help. I want to do something for God. And a lot of times we need direction. So yeah, you know, seek godly counsel. Meet with your pastor. Talk to your friends that serve God with you. And, and you know, get some direction. But... But don't just search forever. Do something with what's in your hand. Tell somebody about the Lord. Invite, if, if your ministry is inviting people to church, my goodness, do it. Bring people to Jesus. We're not just trying to get them to RAC. We're trying to get them to Jesus. But we have a mission in this life. Church, because this world is not our home. This world is not our home. And if you think about it, you can really parallel the call of God on us to the call of God on Moses. Because there are people that are in captivity that need to be brought out. There are people who haven't heard from God in a long time that need to hear from God, that need to know their God, that need to have a place. He said, you're going to come to this place, this is where you're going to worship me, this is going to be a memorial We have a call, church. And so I want to tell you, and music can come. And you can stand with me. I want to tell you that I know what it's like to feel like I'm, I'm not talking about just, I'm not even trying to create a sob story. I'm saying I know what it feels like to feel like I'm not, good enough to do this not like I just feel like I'm a trash person I feel like maybe all of us at one point have felt that way but I'm, that's not what I'm even talking about I'm just talking about to do this to do something for God you're asking yourself you're asking God who am I and I want to tell you that it doesn't matter you matter, yes. Don't, don't misunderstand me. You matter. You are significant. But 
your qualifications, that doesn't matter as far as the call of God goes because we've heard it said a lot of times, at least I've heard it said a lot of times, that God doesn't call the qualified, but He qualifies the called. God will give you what you need. If God put a desire and a burden inside of you, He knew exactly who He was talking to. He knew I can give them this and they can do it. John 15 and 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I am him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. And Jesus was very plain with what he said. For without me, you can do nothing. That's pretty straightforward. And in Philippians 4 and 13, Paul wrote that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. There are a lot of people today, I understand that you want to, you know, people talk about self-love, self-care. And I, I get that in the right context. But there's a lot of people today that they just, you know, they talk about, you know, they say, I, I, am, I am the storm. I am, I am the lightning, you know. I, I can do anything. And, and it's good to have self-confidence. It's good to love and care for yourself in the right context. But we've got to realize, really, there are a lot of people that just say, I can do all things. Paul said, I can, do, yeah, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That is, it, it's, we forget about it because we, we, that's one of the most common scriptures. It doesn't matter how long you've been in this thing, I, I guarantee you at some point you've probably heard that, that scripture. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We, we hear it all the time and maybe we for, forget that that's it right there. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ. And I'll say this, and I'll, I'll let us come pray and, and talk to the Lord for a few moments tonight, but you don't have to, to put an insane amount of pressure on yourself to feel like you have to mimic what somebody else is doing for God. Yeah, we should all be in the same mind. We should all be unified and and be behind the same vision. But we talk about the call of God, and maybe I'm beating a dead horse here with this, but we talk about the call of God, and, and people's minds immediately just go to standing behind this pulpit. I tell you, that's not all there is. And to think that this person's more important in what they're doing than I could be in anything God wants me to do, it's, it's just a lie of the enemy. And it's a lie we tell ourselves. If God has placed it in your heart to do anything, I know that it's something for the kingdom. I know that it's something 
to build the kingdom. Something to help someone to reach someone in some way. We've all got a call. And we all have a call to preach the gospel. Now listen. There's a lot of different ways in our life that we preach the gospel every day. In the way that we live. In the way that we care for people. In the way that we care for souls. In the way we conduct ourselves. In the way we live our life. Amen. I'm not messing with anybody's theology too bad there. There's a lot of ways that we preach the gospel. But we're all called to it. And I just want to tell somebody tonight that it doesn't matter who you are. It has everything to do with who called you. And so I'm inviting us tonight just for a couple moments. I want you to come and just have a conversation with God. I want you to lay those, I want you to lay fear, anxiety. I want you to lay, you know, that self-doubt. Lay it on the altar tonight. And tell the Lord, God, I... I understand I don't, have to, I don't have to copy anyone else. I don't have to mimic anyone else. I just want to do what you want me to do, Lord. I want to I contribute to the kingdom. God, I, I want to be a light. I want to be that city that's set on a hill that can't be hid. I want to let my light so shine before men like your word says. But God, tonight I'm laying down the question, who am I? Lord, because I trust in who you are. Yeah.